Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today are our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. Hello, James. Hello. Also our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly. Hello. Oh, yeah. And we've also got Echo journalist, Neil Jones. Hello. So we have. Yes, we do. Uh, we're not going to start talking about Liverpool, because that's what nobody's talking about Liverpool today. We're all talking about Barcelona. So, uh, James, did you watch the game? No, I was playing football instead. Actually. Neil, did you watch the game? No, I was playing football with James. And Andy, did you watch the game? Not live. I was an ITV highlights man. I was an ITV highlights man. Ah, right. Yeah, well, I saw it. Anyway, what did you think of it, James? It was remarkable, wasn't it? I think um, you know, it was one of those ones where it was, I was actually listening to it live on the radio, driving back after after playing football, and you know, you almost sense when once once the Neymar free kick went in, you, you thought. Uh, you know, I wonder now. You know, just you, you could just imagine PSG. Um, you know, their heads going, and 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 then when when they went there for the next update, you you just knew that something special was about was was on the cusp of of happening, and yeah, just a an amazing achievement. You know, the the fact that no one has ever done it in 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 the history of the European Cup to come back from four goals down in the first leg. I think. You know, if anyone, there's only one team in Europe who could have done it with their attacking firepower, and that's Barcelona. And it's it's the kind of night that you know you're quite envious of those that were actually there because you know it's certainly one that well, they'll never forget. Andy, you're watching Man City against Stoke, which was very very <laughs> more <laughs> thorough. It was more relevant more relevant to Liverpool than the, Man the City, Barcelona. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Very, Top very four good. rivals and yeah. coming up for the Reds Indeed. soon. Do you feel as though you made the right choice there? Well, as a man currently in dispute with his satellite TV provider, shall we say, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I had to rely on Sky rather than uh, BT Sport. Um, Didn't so... Sky just pretend it wasn't on last night? Oh, it, it was hilarious. You were getting them. Um, I think the Isthmian League results were up on Sky before the Barcelona uh, one. But I did, uh, I did uh, wouldn't interest anyone bar me, but I did have a tenner on Barcelona to qualify, um, which uh, was, was, uh, was a great shock uh, when I switched over and found... I knew Cavani had scored, and obviously that was game over, wasn't it, uh, for all of us? And then um, the only, you know, to find it one six five incredible. The only thing that sullied it, and of course this will, uh, Liverpool fans will have looked on with sort of a uh, mixture of admiration and <laughs> horror. I think, I, think <laughs> I know what you're going but, to say here. But yes. Obviously, the Suarez dive was a vital part of of getting Barcelona through. We all saw in his time at Anfield his incredible will to win and the way that that sometimes steps over the, the boundary. And I'm sure, to be honest, there'll be lots of people who will feel that he did what he had to do to get his team through. Um, he, he's a man who who can't handle... Defe- def- defeat is so frustrating for him that he'll do anything to make it. We saw it in the World Cup, obviously. We saw it a couple of times, Liverpool crossing the boundary. It, it was a fantastic victory and probably there's not going to be a giant asterisk in the record books which say, you know, Barcelona had the you know, first team to come back before in four goals down in the European Cup and there's not going to be in there that says brackets. But there was two two dodgy pens in it and, and one very dodgy pen. Um so um yeah, it was it, it was incredible and you can't take anything away from them, but there is just that one little thing about those decisions. I won't ask James this question because I know what his answer will be, but Neil, the long ball comes over the top, you're through, you just feel a defender behind you. (laughs) (laughs) You did. What do you do? If I can't get to it, maybe I would 
maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've never played at a level good enough to. to don't try to come on. Well, no, let's not dive and you know, it doesn't happen in anything other than the top level, does it really? In terms of, in terms of that. So, I, I don't. The referees made the mistake, not Lewis Suarez. The referee, mm. the referees made the mistake, <coughs> but I'd rather he made the mistake and something incredible happened, and he sort of went, no, nah, that's it. And Barcelona went out with a valiant effort because I think they were rewarded for bravery. Paris Saint Germain were punished for cowardice. Very, oh. very well put because there was that stat which was knocking around earlier yeah. today about I think in the last seven minutes in which Barcelona scored all of the, the last three goals PSG completed four passes <laughs> of which three were the kickoff and when you think about that okay you kick it off and you pass your team up from kickoff and then you lost the ball straight away been... all bar one time then you, and then after that you, they lost it straight away it's like, it's I, just, I love, panic, 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 I love yeah. the fact that the, the winning goal comes from the goalie yeah. Stegen getting fouled in the Paris Saint-Germain <laughs> <half. laughs> <laughs> he should have been but, sent off as really well should have been, Verratti should have been sent off but there is it, there is a lesson to be learned from, from Liverpool here for that Barcelona You're team. You're trying to keep this Liverpool theme, though. <laughs> it's called Blood Red Pod for a reason. Um, but um, look at Liverpool last season. Um, Dortmund. Uh, some of us were there. Some of us weren't uh, in this room. Um, were you able to watch it or were you watching something like, I don't know, Leicester against Spurs? I was in a very pleasant Tenerife bowling alley at the time who thought I was a bit of a madman uh, for about 20 minutes. But anyway... Um, Obviously, Dortmund was an incredible fight back from Liverpool, but will never be viewed, um, I don't think, in, in the same hush yeah. tones as some yeah. victories because they didn't go on and win mm. the trophy. This Barcelona victory, for me, will prove to be utterly in vain because, sadly, they're not Bayern Munich who will clearly win the European Cup. Have you got any money on Bayern Munich to win No, I haven't no. got a penny on. But, it's a very bold statement. Uh, I, yeah, I, I agree with Andy. That, I think by the winner, but I'm not saying that, that anything. It's not like that. That, that is five points clear at Christmas. <laughs> yeah. well, exactly. Seven nil. I'm, I'm, I'm here to be proved wrong in a couple of returning in a couple of months to be proved wrong, or maybe even less. But I just think they look the strongest uh, team, um, and I mean team throughout the oh, throughout yeah. the team. Obviously, Barcelona. Have the, they're they're my favourites as well. Bayern Munich. I think um, so, um, but if Barcelona want that victory to to mean everything that they would wish it to at this point in time, they've got to go on and win the what, trophy. What about that last eight? Though you're talking about the Champions League getting a bit samey, and you know that the last eight likelihood is going to be well, it's Barcelona, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Real Madrid Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich, Dortmund, no. Manchester City, Sevilla, Leicester, and Juventus, Leicester. That's the last. No, not fancy <laughs> Leicester. Not having Leicester. No, no. no I, I hope Leicester gets stuffed. Um, for. Because but, but he, doesn't, Craig, he, Craig, he doesn't Craig, deserve it, basically. Craig, Craig Snakespear. Yes, no, no, no. And it's just, he doesn't deserve <laughs> to be in the Champions League quarterfinal. And just to get Liverpool into this podcast again, it does just Dortmund's performance last night yeah. and progress in, in the Champions League shows A, what achievement Liverpool beating them last season was, because I don't, I don't think they're a vastly be- much better team this season. Um, but it also shows that if Liverpool could get into those top four places this season uh, with some strengthening in the summer, you'd feel that they could go in to the Champions League well, next year and Leicester compete. Leicester in the last 16, aren't they? No, mm-hmm. Leicester's still in, still in with a shout of the quarterfinals, despite my hopes that they don't get there. <laughs> Jay, was last night as good or better or worse than Istanbul? <laughs> stupid uh, question. No, it's not a it, stupid question. I think it's... I think, I think, it's, I think partly... I'm sort of bringing it back to Liverpool. Pick, yeah, linked to what Andy said. I don't. You can't 
it can't be better than Istanbul because they didn't it didn't end with Barcelona winning the European Cup. Um, you know, and I don't think you also can't compare the lineup that Barcelona have got doing that to PSG to to what that Liverpool team in two thousand and five did to AC Milan, and and also yeah, the the, the finale was a, unbelievable in that Barcelona game, but. No, they had 90 minutes to turn around four goals. Liverpool had 45 minutes to turn around three um, in Istanbul to obviously to take it to extra time. So no, I, I still think Istanbul is in a class of its own just because the stakes were so high on the night and the, the calibre of opponent and the fact that you know what was essentially not a star-studded Liverpool team produced such a, a phenomenal fight back against all the odds. Well, they actually had three weeks and 90 minutes, didn't they? Because they had three weeks to work out a plan, whereas, you know, Rafa had 15 minutes, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Anyway, moving away from Barcelona to Emre Chan, which is uh, about small leap, I think you'll agree. But you've written something today about his latest on his contract situation, James. I have, yeah. I mean, this is one that's rumbled on for quite some time now. I think, um, you know, talks started last summer over an extension. His, his current deal runs until the summer of 2018. Um, and, you know, the fact is, talks broke down before Christmas because there was such a disparity between what he was after financially and what the club were willing to pay him. Um, you know, we're not 100% clear on the exact figures involved, but I'm told that, you know, he, he was wanting a, a sum in, in, you know, around £100,000 a week uh, and Liverpool not willing to, to go that high. So, you know, I think talks were pretty much shelved before Christmas because they weren't getting anywhere. Um, but, you know, I think the important thing is Liverpool will make a, a strong attempt to try and sort that in the summer. Um, Klopp definitely sees him as part of his plans. He doesn't want to lose him um, and, the, and hopes that some compromise can be, can be achieved there. If, if it's not, then I think Liverpool are left with a very difficult decision because, you know, it, it would be a gamble to let Chan go, in, go kind of well into the last year of his deal and, and then obviously run the risk of, of, of losing him uh, on, a, on a free the, f- the following summer. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting one because I think, I, think it's, I, think, I think a lot could hinge on what kind of end to the season Emery Chad has as well. I think his hand would certainly be strengthened if he keeps performing like he did against Arsenal last weekend. The, the problem for him is that he hasn't reached those levels enough this season. Neil, £100,000 a week for Emery Chan or £100,000 for Emery Chan? What's your, what's your view? Uh, yeah, not that, neither extreme really. Um, I, I find, I think Liverpool are obviously trying to drive a hard bargain with him in terms of saying, well, he's, he's had a lot of praise at Liverpool off, off Klopp, and he's had a lot. You know, he was a key man. Sort of think back to that Dortmund game last season. Then he he got injured. Jordan that game was it? Was yeah, 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 and then he was back, wasn't he, for the Villarreal game. I think and he aggravated it yeah. in the celebrations. Yeah, yeah and he legged it down the line, didn't he, with, <laughs> with his, uh, his, foot, like his, his sock off and everything, didn't he? Um, and he was a key player. I think he he was one of the, the many who I think their stock tumbled dramatically during that Europa League final. And we saw that, actually, this guy who's going to be the controller midfielder, sometimes he, he, actually, he can't do it. He, he, he isn't capable of doing it in certain games. Um He's had, he's had a poor season, really, hasn't he? If you look at his overall contribution, and I think Liverpool are trying to take advantage of that and say, well, you want finished article wages, you need to be the finished article. And I think Lallana, Lallana's just had a new contract where he's 
sustained the run of form and, and improvement that, that's justified it. I think Chan is some way below that level of importance to the team and that probably should be reflected in his salary, especially as he's 23. 23, 23 so you, it's not going to be his last contract at Liverpool if he if he goes on to be a, a star. So I think I think fair enough from the club. Would he be a great loss? I think I don't don't particularly think he's irreplaceable at Liverpool. I think there's a lot of midfielders around there who are, who are gettable and comparable to Chan. But Liverpool are already talking about losing players and bringing in six or seven new players every summer. Can you afford to, to, to write another one off who's played plenty of games? Well, I was going to just ask you that question, Andy, that Neil's just basically asked it anyway, is that you've got to imagine Lucas Labour's probably not going to be around yeah. next season. Kevin Stewart's probably won't be there. You'd think for his own sake he'd want to leave and start playing more regular it's games. So let's let Emre Chan, while he's not been you know, pulling up any trees this season, they can't just get rid of everybody, can they? No, they can't, but with Chan, clearly, I think they need to go down the route, and I'm sure you know, the, 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 the money people at the club will be fully aware of this, because it's something they've, they've, they've done heavily uh, for the last couple of years, and it, it's got to be a heavily incentivised contract, doesn't yeah. it? Because if Chan wants to earn the big money, he needs to be playing. Now, a lot of times this season, we've generally viewed a midfield of Henderson, Wijnaldum and Lallana is Liverpool's best and when you throw Chan into that mix and, and change it, it often doesn't quite work uh, on, the, on the other hand he, he is a, you know, a, a developing player who if he develops the way we hope he can could be worth that money but I think Jonesy hit, hit the nail on the head with his um, you know if you want finished article wages you've got to be the finished article and, and he, he's not and I think he hasn't progressed the way we would have hoped for whatever reasons this season. Came back late, injured. We still don't know what he is. <coughs> no, and it's you know he's what we do know is that he hasn't shown himself to be this Rolls Royce footballer that Brendan Rodgers hoped he would be. I remember him. You know, I was in the room the day he said it, and um, it, at, when he arrived, Chan, he made such an impression early on that perhaps he's been um, unfortunate in that hopes were so high for him that that in not living up to them, there's been disappointment around him. He's become a bit of a scapegoat for some sections uh, of fans this season. And you can understand why to a certain extent, because, uh, you know, he's... Because he's good-looking, basically. But, but no, because he's, he's, he's been seen... Liverpool's problems have tended to become against these sides who sit back, and, and that's trying... Intricate stuff in and around the box to try and break down a deep line defence is not Emre Chan's game for me. Um, where he, where I think he would get a massive boost from if he could improve his shooting from the edge of the box, because I think the last goal he scored was that against Bournemouth. Bournemouth. That, 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 that type of goal. That's the last goal Liverpool scored from outside the box. Yeah, that is the type is of goal. That's a good stat. That that is the type of goal that if he was scoring more often and he's got the ability to do it. Um, that, that opens up so much for him because if people are having to come out to block your shots from there, it creates angles to do little one-twos on the edge. Uh, you're able to get um, full-backs down inside their full-backs. So little pa- everything else opens up if you've got the ability to shoot well from the edge. And uh, we'll obviously be going on, to, going on to talk about Burnley. That was one of the key factors in Liverpool's defeat at Turf Moor was the absolutely appalling state it, of Liverpool's shooting. 26 shots yeah, and then only five on target. Or something stupid like that, yeah. 
I think I think Coutinho had about twenty five of them. Coutinho, shots, I think he had sort of thirteen shots or something ridiculous like that. James, uh, just to talk a bit more about one more midfielder, Jordan Henderson. What's the latest on him? Is he going to be available for Burnley? Do we not know? Uh, still touch and go. I think I, th- I think it's probably unlikely, just because you know I think you'd, you'd want him to get a few full days training under his belt, wouldn't he, for, to consider him to come come back into the starting lineup? Uh, that hasn't happened yet. Um, so I think Klopp will give him every chance because you know, probably more than anyone in the squad, his general fitness levels would be so good that you know a couple of weeks wouldn't, I don't think, would have a massive impact on him. But you know, I, I think the word was certainly in the early part of the week that he wasn't as close as, as they hoped he might be for this game. Um, and, and I think with the way that Chan performed last weekend, they probably will feel that this is a game that Liverpool should be able to win without taking a gamble on Henderson. And, and to be honest, when you know, we've there, there have been games this season and last season where Jordan's played when he hasn't been fully fit and, and hasn't been able to do himself justice. I mean, he'd be desperate to play, but you just wonder whether the sensible uh, decision might be to to give it another week and make sure that he's firing all cylinders for that huge game at Man City the following weekend. We're moving away from on-field action. There's a, there was a bit of news off the field this week. Some more reaction to the accounts, and there was a story that you wrote about FSG's loan to help pay for the main stand. Yeah, it's an interesting one that, that kind of surfaced in the accounts because um, obviously I think one of the things that jumped out was the fact there was uh, some interest on the on the £110 million loan that was used to, to finance the, the building of the new main stand. And, um, you know, I think people were right to, to pick up on that because certainly initially um, I remember being sat in a room in Chapel Street, Ian Air talking about it before the building work started, uh, a few years back now, and, and talking about it being an interest-free loan from the owners. Um, now, f- effectively, what we know now is that wasn't, strictly speaking, the case. It's, you know, it's it, it's a very small amount of interest, but it's not interest-free. Apparently, it's it's what's known as premium-free, um, which is where basically FSG have a credit facility um, that they've used to borrow that money at a very low rate, and then Liverpool then pay it back. So, you know, what is it, just over a million pounds a year in interest over, what, five years is expected to pay back the, the extent of the loan. So in the grand scheme of things, it's actually quite a small amount of money. Um, but I can understand why some people have, have, have quite rightly, you know, um, you know, flagged it up and, and said, hang on a minute, we weren't told this because they weren't told this. You know, that basically some senior Liverpool officials described it wrongly at the start. Um, and for some whatever reason, I don't know why, it took them a long time to, to put people right on exactly that. I mean, to be fair, I wrote a piece last September when the new main stand was opened. And in that piece, it dis- I think it was a, that was after a, a chat with uh, Tom Werner and Mike Gordon. And it then described it as a virtually interest-free loan, which is the way they then described it then, but, which is true. But yeah, I think, I think what's annoyed some fans quite rightly is the fact that at the very start, it was portrayed as a, a totally interest-free loan from FSG's cash reserves, when in fact we now know it was it was borrowed from the bank. Neil, is this a matter of FSG deliberately pulling the wool over fans' eyes, or is it just something that maybe has got a little bit lost in financial translation? Yeah, it um, doesn't sound particularly good, does it? It, it? I think it's things a bit careless from, from the club, really, to be honest, because... They must know that the accounts are going to be made public. They must know the scrutiny that Liverpool are under. They know that the world knows how to check these kind of things eventually, and they all come out. And um, 
it has. And uh, James says, you know, uh, it's been flagged up a lot. There's not not much interest on the uh, on the loan, but there's plenty of interest in it. And that that's that sort of <laughs> sums good. up Liverpool. They, FSG have a, a maxim that they that they run by, which is to under promise and over deliver. I think this is certainly the one occasion I can remember in their tenure at Liverpool that they've they've, they've made a, a pig's ear of that. They've because, over-promised and under-delivered. Well, what they should have done, if they'd come out at the very start and said, um, we're using our FSG's um, credit facility to secure a loan for Liverpool for their new main stand at an incredible interest rate of 1.2%, Jim, something yeah, like that, yeah, 1.24 yeah. or something yeah. like that. 1.24%, well... You know, when I went to get my car loan or, or went to the Yorkshire Building Society to try and get myself a, a bigger yard or whatever. A new sky. A new yeah. sky. Yeah. You know, <laughs> one point two interest rates are low, we all know that, but one point two four percent um is incredibly low. And when you're wanting to borrow hundred and ten million quid, um interest rates are that little bit more and I think the open market suggests it would have been about five five percent. So in all honesty, this should have been um, yeah, a, a, good, a positive story for FSG that, uh, um, Mass, I understand it. Essentially, the big question for supporters is why didn't FSG just use their own money and give it to Liverpool and then Liverpool could have paid them back? Um, and essentially, as I understand it, and I'm no you know, major financier, but major companies just don't work that way. They have everything they do is. is through the banks, they don't they don't have 110 million in liquid cash sitting in an account that they can give and pay Carillion to build that stand. Um, they use multiple credit facilities. I'm sure Liverpool use use this every time they sign a player and all those things. It's essentially the football club will have exactly the same thing, but FSG's credit facilities. Obviously, they're a major organisation with lots of different assets. Have that facility. Um, and it's it's the poor use of terminology early on in this, which yeah. has which has cost them. Um, I, I've got no problem with people who don't like FSG as, as Liverpool owners. Everyone's entitled to their opinion on that, and there's lots of lots of pros and and some cons and, and whatever. But what I genuinely don't think is that this is this is in any way a con, uh, in both sense of the words, uh, for the owners. Essentially, they got a new stand built when, however many years we've been trying to get get some progress on on Anfield's capacity, got a cracking new stand there. Um, it's an incredibly low interest rate, and what's unfortunate and you know shouldn't have happened is is that, it, that fans were misled on the exact nature of it. Moving back to action on the pitch, um, James, you were at Turf Moor back up in in August. I think Neil, you were there as yeah, well, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, what day that was? Yeah. yeah. Um, statement made with a very good victory over Arsenal followed up with another statement of sorts at Burnley it's almost as if the entire season was condensed into those two games that this is exactly the way it was going to be for Liverpool it was yeah and it, it, was, a, it was a very deflating afternoon at, at Turf Moor that day at the, uh, under in the post-match press conference Sean Dyche basking in the glory of, of doing Dyche, a, really, of, yeah. of doing a job on Liverpool and and talking about how you know it just showed that possession isn't everything in football, and I think Liverpool had eighty percent of the ball that day, um, and I think Klopp's always referred to that before, like performance as being quite unlucky and all the rest. But Liverpool weren't remotely unlucky that day. They 
they were absolutely abject with the ball. And it, it was one of those games where Burnley were just quite happy to let Liverpool have it in the knowledge that they just weren't looking remotely threatening at all. And as we said before, they were just reduced to taking the most ridiculous pot shots from, from all areas. I think I think it was actually Gruwich who came off the bench yeah. in the second half and finally forced something resembling a proper save from the keeper. Um, but yeah, I think it was obviously... You know, there was a few... You know, Mane was obviously missing that day, wasn't he? Um, you know, and we've seen this season when he's at it, the difference he makes with that his pace and ability to unlock a defence. Um, and yeah, you just like to think that I'm sure Klopp has been through the tape of that that day a few times this week, and that you hope that lessons have been learned. You've just mentioned a player then, but Neil, you watched the under 23s earlier yeah. this week. It's just Only reminded me, Gruwich. Yeah, back. Lazarus. Yeah. <laughs> a, where's um, he been? And B, how did he play? The forgotten man. Yeah, well, he's been injured. He's had um, what seems to be quite a complex hamstring tendon injury, which I think it started off as just a what you call a hamstring injury and it's developed into something a bit more uh, technical and, and, and um, debilitating. He was back sort of um, just after Christmas, wasn't he? Just after New Year. And you think back to that January and you would have thought he'd, you might have seen a bit of him against... Plymouth or against Wolves um, didn't happen because he couldn't train enough. So he, he came back. He played. Um, he played an hour on on Monday at Reading. It was. I mean, I know Andy watched it as well. What sort of game was that? It was the first half. Was honest to God, it was like a five-a-side game that we played on the Echo on a Wednesday. It was, it, I think it was about. Could have been about 15-12 at half time. It just that open. There was no no midfield involved in the game whatsoever. So Gruwich was, was Gruwich sort of, doing? Well, he was just running from box to box and and the, and, the, and the best bit in. was Liverpool's. Was it the fourth or fifth goal when it, when it was the five on two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woodburn's goal. Woodburn's yeah, goal, yeah, yeah. Goal, yeah. Fifth, yeah. It was. Oh, sorry, fourth. Yeah, Phillips got the fifth, didn't he? But he looked okay. He, he, um, he obviously looked rusty in terms of certain things, but. He, he, there was a couple of things he did early on which were quite reassuring. He he, he absolutely barreled into someone after about five minutes and put them put them on the floor and, and came out with the ball. And um, he played a couple of nice little passes. Liverpool played really well as an attacking side. Wilson, Woodburn, uh, Brewster, Ojo, all very impressive. Alexander Arnold from right back. So it's good to see another young player getting a getting a bit of a run out, and I'm sure we'll see more of them as well. Proud moment for you then, Andy. Uh, just spoken to Jan Molby for his column, uh, which will be appearing later on on the website. Uh, he mentions about Arsenal and compares them to Burnley in the way that they're going to set out for this game at Anfield on Sunday. Needs of the belief that Sean Dyche will have his team better prepared to face Liverpool than Arsene Wenger will. I mean, do you agree with that? And is that going to be a be an issue for, for Liverpool because we know how Burnley are going to play? Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree with with you, with Jan, and um, it's it's for all that we we discussed in the pod whether Wenger would make arrangements to try and play differently for Liverpool, and he suggested he suggested um, I think I suggested in the pod that I'd be very surprised if Giroud didn't play, and I'm very surprised if he didn't go a bit more direct. Well, after the match, he came out and said that was his entire plan, but. You, you don't go more direct and leave your best player on the bench, which is what he did, which was <laughs> yeah. Sanchez. I think there may be some other reasons for that, though, that, 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 that will be coming out. Yes. Such as uh, laughing on the touchline when they're losing 5-1. Yeah, but essentially, Arsenal played... They, they went a bit more direct, but so did Liverpool in, in the sense that both sides were trying to press, and Klopp was, was saying afterwards that that was why there was a few more long balls in the game, which is one way of getting around the, you know, a close press. But... Um, 
Dyche, I would be very surprised if he's intending to play a high press um, against Liverpool. He'll be he'll be playing um, two banks of four and probably probably a bank of four and a bank of six if we're honest. Um, maybe a four and a five and leaving. Um, folks up front or something great, like that, or great. great. Um, not, so a, not a three-two-three-two. Three, two, not no, know. not 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 your uh, team of the season pick <laughs> on the uh, box. <laughs> no. But the um, so it is a problem for Liverpool because um, they play at their best when they're able to go toe to toe with somebody who wants to play that they they want to play, and especially at home and. Um, that's James. More twisted reviews for And it's it's wrong to say that Liverpool haven't been able to beat these sides yeah. this season. They they we there was results back in the in the autumn where they were blowing them away at they times. Beat, they beat Stoke at Watford, Christmas for one. Hull, Watford, Leicester, yeah. Sunderland, mm-hmm. beat all them. But but what they weren't doing is finding a way to 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 work out a one or a two nil. When they went in in superb form in the middle of winter, that's what happened to them. They had injuries. Um, Mane was away. Um, people just lost form, and they weren't able to have. A, you know, it's a cliche, but they didn't have a Costa in the team who was going to winkle the one nil when they needed them against these, <laughs> these types of sides. And that's what he does, isn't he? That's it. You know, he just manages the the amount of goals he scored, which have one point on their own. Must be incredible. I don't have the stat to hand, but um, so coming to Sunday, it, Liverpool have to be no doubt will try and um, you know use their superior quality and hopefully get a comfortable victory. But if 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 it, if that isn't able to unfold in front of us, what we need to see is a team that's prepared to keep going and keep going and be patient and eventually wear a side down and. We used to see this time and time again at sides who'd go to Old Trafford and and they'd put up a really solid defensive performance for for 80 minutes and then eventually your legs start to go, the tiredness starts to set in and and mistakes happen when you're tired. And sometimes I think maybe Liverpool... Klopp spoke after Arsenal about trying to tell his players to keep it simple for for, for Burnley, you know, just um, don't try anything too. But what I think they need to do is just... Take a take an odd gamble in and around the box. It's entirely frustrating, I think, that you know try something um, which might go wrong and might lead to you losing possession. But if it comes off, you you produce a massive chance. And I just think sometimes it's pass one side of the pitch, pass it to the other. I mean, why they're doing that? They're trying to move the defence and create a hole somewhere. Um, but at times they've moved it too slowly. And others, I just think you want them to take a gamble and 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 try and um, um, you know create just break that deadlock with a, a little bounce going your way or a little deflection or a little ricochet or just take a man on who makes a bad decision and sticks a leg out and you suddenly you've got a penalty and um, that's what I'd hope for on Sunday. So Liverpool need Costa's winkle is basically <laughs> what Andy's just said. Then we will finish then with uh, news today that Xabi Alonso, formerly of Liverpool, has. Confirmed that he will be retiring at the end of the season. Uh, James, what would be your your favourite memories of, of, of Alonso when he was at Liverpool? Bearing in mind, I suspect I know what you're going to say. <laughs> um, I mean, he was just an absolute honour, wasn't he, to watch um, during his 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 peak years at Liverpool. Um, obviously, the part he played 
you know, on route to Istanbul, and then the final itself. I mean, that would probably be the the standout memory, just him you know, wheeling away in celebration, having completed the comeback against Milan in the final. Um, the other goal that that really sticks out for me is the one against I think it was Newcastle at Anfield. From you know, just it just kind of epitomised his you know his technique and poise and composure and an execution as well. The way that he have been what 60 yards out or whatever to to embarrass the goalie like he did so um yeah just an absolute class act who you know he's, he's just had an amazing career hasn't he and it's testament to him as a man as well as a player the fact that you know he, he's admired so much by everyone that has had the pleasure of watching him and, and played with him as well I mean, personally speaking obviously I was covering Liverpool a lot at the time I'd have to say that he was very very good in the mix zone he'd, he'd, he'd often stop and he was always good Good value for a chat. Probably is, is my favourite moment of his would be the goal against Luton, simply because it gave me the excuse to write. You know, he went round the goalkeeper and slotted home from yeah, 60 yards. Yeah, <laughs> but his uh, but his probably his best game is one that often gets overlooked, and it's the 2006 derby at Anfield. Stephen Gerrard gets sent off very early on, so Liverpool are down to 10 men, and I can't remember who it was. He was in midfield with a it was Sissoko, was it? Yeah, but Alonso then just went round and just battered. Everton, he got stuck in, had a great game. And, well, he, and, he, and, and a, Liverpool won 3-1, I think it was. Three, he won, uh, the Harry Kuehl, Kuehl, yeah. There was a game at Anfield, I think it was against Norwich, but um, yeah. uh, where he produced First Anfield performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. a, a masterclass of passing, wasn't it, where every type of pass with different bits of his foot and everything, and everyone just went away going... That is incredible, and yeah. um, and he was uh, different bits of his foot. No, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. his heels, yeah, foot to fluid object. Yeah, absolutely, and he and he was fantastic. <laughs> and I remember in particular him coming back from injury uh, in Turin. Yes, um, that's right. Yeah. Against Juventus and um, Lampard know, broke his ankle. Hadn't yeah, yeah. 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 That, it was the um, one of those. It was that still at the time when Ibrahimovic tended to miss everything. Um, he still does, really. Yeah, I know. But this is one of those when he, you, you did feel he was a bit overrated and he was always seen he's, to he's be. Still, he still is. And, uh, um, remember, um, Alonso absolutely worked his socks off that yeah. night and produced a, a superb performance. And, um, you were there, weren't you? You were there. Yeah. I, I, I was indeed. And um, it was, a, it was a, you know, a fantastic comeback. Uh, and it was, uh, he, he was just... You know, the the sadness is that that, that Alonso um, left Liverpool almost unnecessarily when yeah. that relationship started. We don't need to go into that now. My my one is um, my memory of him is the first game of the season when he finished second under Rafa in two thousand eight. And obviously, he'd had the summer where it looked like he might have to leave, and was he going to stay? And Gareth Barry going to come and all that. First game of the season, he played Sunderland away, and he started with Damien Plessis in midfield, and. I think Damien, I, 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 he come on at half-time, Alonso, they won 1-0, Torres scored from outside the box, from an Alonso pass, and I think it was like two people playing different sports. Damien Plessis was just, to be in Damien Plessis, not his fault, and Javi Alonso came on at half-time, and it was like, are you seriously considering getting rid of him from, from this team? It was, he was so good. He had a shot from the halfway line in that game as well, actually just missed, I think just went wide of the post, but... He was just he's just a really good footballer, isn't he? And look at the career he's had. I think he's got sixteen major honours or eighteen major honours and he'll have a couple more before the end of the season if Andy's right. And mm-hmm. I'm sure Bayern will win the Bundesliga as well. And a lovely beard as well. I think we'll all agree. James, do you think Liverpool should make a, a late bid for him? Tempt him out of retirement? Tell you um, what, he'd make a he'd make a lovely uh, in about five or 
whenever Klopp wants to go in the end of his contract to make a lovely management double team with Gerard. <laughs> uh, you know, how, how could a, any player in the world that those two approach sound you fancy coming to Anfield yeah. say no? I thought you were going to say the, uh, the Masters team would, would be uh, keeping an eye on them and <laughs> the over 35 circuit. Yeah. Right, I think that should do us for this edition. Join us next week where we'll be looking back at the Burnley game. Cheerio.